only want to hear from the Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. That's what we came here for. It's exciting. Praise Jesus. Father, we want to come before you this morning and acknowledge that you alone have the words of eternal life. Lord, to you alone can we turn. And we pray, Father God, that you, your spirit would be upon us. We pray that there would be an impartation of revelation. And Lord, that there would be an impact upon our lives as the Holy Spirit touches us and ministers to us. Lord, we recognize man cannot do anything of himself. But Lord, you've said that we have two or three are gathered in, in your name. There you are in the midst. Mm-hmm. And Lord, that you want to work, you want to heal, you want to save, you want to deliver, you want to bless and anoint. And so, Father, we are so grateful to you for that. And we just pray right from the outset, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit upon us and uh, speak through us. Lord, in Jesus' name, this we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I came across uh, this exam and I thought I'd, I'd share it with you. Would it be okay if I gave you a test? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's, everybody's looking nervous down in their handbags. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. The, the truth is, uh, the, the following answers uh, were given by students who got 0%. I would have actually given them 100% personally. The question was, in which battle did Napoleon die? His answer? He's lost. (laughs) Where was the Treaty of Waitangi signed? The answer? The bottom of the page. (laughs) The Murray River. It might have been near the top. It might have been. The Murray River flows in which state? Liquid, of course. (laughs) What is the main reason for failure at schools? Exams. If you throw a red stone into blue water, what will it become? Wet. Wet? How can a a man go eight days without sleep? By sleeping at nights. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Enough of that tomfoolery. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like to encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. And we're going to look at verses 9 and 10 and then go through on from there. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says this, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. I want to share something that is, it appears to be a very modern problem, but in actual fact, uh, it, it, it is an ancient problem, as I'll share you. I want to talk to you about identity theft. And I want to read an account of a man who actually experienced it. Uh, In 1998, a man was arrested on drug charges and identified himself himself as Malcolm Bird. It was only then that the real Malcolm Bird realized that he was a victim of identity fraud. Immediately, he went down to the police station and corrected the error. A few months later, Bird was pulled over for speeding and he found himself thrown to the pavement and handcuffed by a policeman who believed that they, that they had the suspect who was wanted for drug dealing. This is actually a true story. The, the case was then cleared again. Byrne wound up losing his part-time job as a nursing assistant for not having come forward about his supposed criminal record. A few months later, he was laid off from his full-time job and denied unemployment insurance again because of his supposed criminal record. 
But the nightmare was far from over. His license was suspended by the DMV for failure to pay traffic fines, which of course were committed by the same suspect. A few years later, Bird lent his car to his niece. Police pulled her over asking where Malcolm Bird was. They arrested him in his own home and Bird spent the next two days in jail. After so much harassment, Bird's case received enough publicity to keep him safe. He said, though, what I went through was brutal, just plain brutal. And you can see the dangers of identity theory. We kind of think of that as a, as a modern crime related to computers. But did you know that has been going on from the dawn of time? Satan has been trying to steal our identity. He's been trying to uh, uh, disguise the fact that we are the children of God. Uh, in fact, it goes back to the dawn of time when, when the devil was stealing our identity. and He's been causing havoc and disaster ever since uh, because people don't really know who they are in Christ. And they've been victimized. And uh, they've never really discovered their true identity. I want to say to you, discovering who you really are in Christ is one of the biggest discoveries that any Christian can find. Amen? When you really know and understand what all that God has for you, and you start to believe that, you start to walk in a brand new dimension. You want to go higher with God? You want to come into the anointing of God, into a closer relationship? Discover what God has done for you, and you'll be drawn deeper into the presence of the Lord. It's one of the greatest discoveries that we can make. When we fully understand and believe what God says about us, it will truly transform our entire lives. It'll revolutionize us. It'll set us free. It'll bless us. It'll change us forever. The truth is, uh, I've been a pastor now for um, over nearly 40 years. Um, it depends on how you count it, maybe even longer. But, um, uh, but we, we won't go into that, that particular number. But you know, it, the truth is that many Christians I've come across in my years have suffered from low self-esteem. They've suffered uh, from inferiority complexes. Despite what Christ has done for them, they still struggle. They feel inferior. They feel really difficult and, and shy about speaking out and, and, and saying what the, what the word of the Lord is. Because they, they feel that they are second rate, that they are stupid or inadequate. Because they, their identity has been attacked by the enemy over and over and over again. And I've known people that lived all their lives who've lived under that feeling of inferiority and feeling of worthlessness, that they're really nobody special because that their identity has been under such assault from the enemy right from the early days that they totally feel that they cannot function and they cannot operate anymore. But when you understand uh, what Christ has done for you, it'll set you free. They feel so worthless, these poor people, uh, that, that they feel second-rate, inadequate, stupid, because they've been told repeatedly, you'll never amount to anything. You're useless. You're worthless. You're just a waste of time. Good for nothing. Incompetent. Imbecile. Those words have been branded upon their subconscious because they've heard it over and over again. Any mistake has been labeled uh, excessively as an attack on their uh, identity. Because the devil is out to destroy the, our identity. Because he knows once we discover it, we'll never be the same kind of people again. The truth is that Christians have been in bondage over a lie. They cannot perform for fear of being ridiculed, mocked, or put down. So they hide away in shame 
in the midst of the crowd. They are hurt, they are angry, they are frustrated because of what the enemy has done to them. The enemy has so belittled them and hurt them. And they start self-deprecating. They start putting themselves down. You know, when you've been a victim and you've been tormented and bullied and, and harassed all the days of your life, you eventually begin to believe those lies. And the worst thing about it is that we start to say it about our own life, our own existence. I'm just no good. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just, you know. And we put ourselves down. We, we self-deprecate. We hide our pain in our secret so that no one notices them. You know, these people hate to draw attention to themselves because it's always negative and hurtful. So they would rather not draw any attention to themselves. And they suffer in silence from jealousy, from guilt, criticism, and the result is social withdrawal. They feel inadequate. The enemy has done a thorough job of making them feel worthless. And there are people that sit in the church week after week, year after year, that feel just that way. But I want to say to you, once we discover our worth, when we get into the Word of God, we will see what God has done for us. God's picture, as we will see today, is very different from the world's picture, from what even our peers think about us. God has an amazing picture of us. And when we discover that picture, we must take the time and the trouble to counteract every damage that the, uh, that the enemy has done by renewing our minds, by meditating on the Word of God and memorizing the truth. What is the truth about our worth and our identity? What is it? The truth is that God values and esteems and honors each and every one of us. That's our real worth, that God values you. You are precious in His sight. Today we say God is crazy about you. You kind of mean that He's besotted about you. He thinks you're great. You know, God thinks I'm great. I don't know why, but He thinks I'm great. And I'm, I'm learning to accept the fact that God thinks I'm wonderful. And I tell you, I'm wonderful. And she, <laughs> and she, agree, she agrees with me. It's wonderful. And I'm getting better. And so we need to renew our minds. Stop putting down, putting ourselves down. Stop putting those, those condemnatory thoughts, those negative thoughts into our, our confessions that are so harmful and so destructive. You know, we really need to change the way that we... Stop slandering that negative thought and confession that keeps us in bondage. The more we say and agree with what people have said about us, the longer it will take for us to get set free. Amen? But when we start to agree with God, the instant we believe God's word is true, we can be delivered like that. We are brought into a new relationship, a new realm, and a new, uh, a new glory. And so we need to renew our minds. We need to dedicate ourselves to saying what God has said. about. If you have been damaged in any way, if you feel insecure or inferior in any way, spend time building up your self-image. Because when you do that, you will become a powerful person. And everyone has done said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we, we are to renew our minds. We so often... Uh, agree with the enemy. We so often say, "Man, I'm just, I'm just no good. I'm just, you know, I failed. I'm just, I'm just weak." And we say these things. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Philippians chapter four and verse eight, Paul rounds off his argument and he says, "Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, pure, and lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, and if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think." On these things. 
We have to discipline ourselves and, and renew our minds with the truth of what God says. And we will find healing for our soul. We will find wholeness. We will find release from all the pain and insecurity in our lives. But we have to think on these things. We've got to discipline our thinking. That requires meditating. It requires memorization on our true worth. You see, we are a new creation. I would like you to do something for me. Would you tell the person on either side of you that you are incredible? You are amazing. You are amazing. You guys at the back are incredible and amazing. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to have somebody to affirm you? Somebody to say, I think you're a great person. I really like you. I appreciate you. I value you. I honor and I respect you. Those are great compliments when people do that. And we need to be, uh, be more open in, in saying that in the body of Christ. Hey, I value you. I appreciate you. I, you know, I respect you. We need to do that. And we need to encourage one another to do that. I love what Bob Gass said. He said, you know, because people say, if you do that, the people are going to get a swollen head. And I remember what he said. He said, more people die from broken hearts than swollen heads. Yes. <laughs> it's true. And I really believe that we need to take the time to say how much we appreciate one another like that. I think we do that a lot in this church. I think we do. But it's something we can always build on and, and continue to do. Uh, it's not the only army that shoots its prisoners. It's the Christian it's, army. It's, it's, it's wounds, it's, shoots its wounded. Mm. Amen. And that's one of the reasons. You see, the enemy has come in and, and infiltrated the church, and he does that. And sometimes we hurt our brothers and sisters. Sadly, sometimes intentionally, because they dared to sit in our seat or take our parking or whatever it was. You know. I'll show them, you know. But, but you know, we, we need to make a conscious effort to, to be loving, kind, and gracious, and that we look after one another. Remember that we are created in God's image and likeness. To be what? To be just like Him. That's our true identity. When you look at Christ, when you look at Jesus, that's who we're supposed to see. I'm supposed to be coming more and more like Jesus every day. You're supposed to be coming more and more like Jesus every day. God help us. We need the, the power of the Holy Spirit. He will do that for us. As we cry out to Him and say, Lord, I want to be more like you. That's why that song was so incredibly uh, precious to me. I want to be like you, Lord. You know, we created in, in His image and His likeness. The Bible says that we're the apple of His eye. Mm. He has chosen us and called us by name. Do you remember at, at, at school when, when they were picking the teams? How many can identify with the fact that you were the last person to be picked <laughs> on the team? It's like, oh no, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll take that person, but you can have so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. You know? And it, it's humiliating, it's degrading. And it, it wounds our, our self-identity. But we are chosen by the Father. God chose you. He saw value in you. He saw worth in you. And so He calls you. And He's called you by name. Jeremiah 31 says, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God looks at your life from eternity past to eternity future. And He says, I love you. You are precious. And I have drawn you to Myself. That means you are valuable. That means you are precious in His sight. 
It says in, in Isaiah 49 verse 16, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. You want to know your worth? Look at the cross. Look at the nails that were driven into his hand. That was an act of God's love and grace. He says, I want to save all mankind. All mankind are precious to me. I will go through the ultimate humiliation. You know, I was just looking at, 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 at the passion of the Christ and uh, something that, that I, uh, it hasn't really dawned on me, except on a subliminal level maybe, was that when Jesus was crucified, they stripped him naked and it was the height of winter. People were huddled around the fire. Remember when, when Peter uh, denied Jesus, he was huddled around the fire because it was so blessed and cold. And there was Jesus exposed in the middle of winter, hanging on the cross. Wow. Nailed to the cross. And he was nailed because he says, you are worth, you are precious to me. I will pay the ultimate price. God upon the cross says that you are precious and you are valuable. Psalm 139 verse 17 says, How precious are thy thoughts to me, O God. When you start to meditate on the word of God and realize how much he loves you, it will minister to your soul and your grace and your spirit. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. I want to paint you a picture of God's worth this morning. Found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this, We are his workmanship. Dr. Cooper points out that the, 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 uh, the, the root of this he, uh, Greek word, uh, 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 workmanship, is that is poem. It's where we get our word poem from. Uh, and so, in actual fact, it, it's the same root uh, as this word workmanship. So we are God's poem. Our lives are His poetry. He is writing a story of grace and mercy in our lives. We are his work of art. What a precious thought that is. Our lives are intertwined with God and he's moving graciously and mercifully writing a poem about our lives for his honor and glory. We are, let me put it to you this way, we are God's dream. And only he has the power to make dreams like that come true. We are God's dream. We are his workmanship. You know, when you look at the Greek, it's, it, it says we are his creative masterpiece. You're looking at a masterpiece over here. <laughs> I am, I am, I am. You know, a creative masterpiece. You are the product of God's genius. Amen. Of his flawless perfection. God has made us perfect in every way. Don't put yourself down. Stop, stop self-deprecating. Begin to see yourself as constant. God has never made a mistake or anything substandard. Can you say amen? amen? And that includes you and I. Every one of us God formed in our mother's belly. God formed us. And He's never made anything substandard or inadequate. He's made everything beautiful according to the works of His hands. In the eyes of God, we are flawless and perfect in every way. Do you see why we need to change the way that we think? Because I don't naturally think of myself as flawless or perfect. I sometimes get a big head and, and fear has to bring me down. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, but we need to actually come to that place where we're thinking God's thoughts about us. And in God's eyes, we are His poem. 
his dream and he's making us into the people that he desires us to be faultless and perfect in the eyes of God we are flawless and perfect in every way and so that's the way we need to start to see ourselves and again this doesn't come because you hear me telling it to you You've got to spend time meditating on the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to soak into you the truth of His Word. Allow the Spirit to impress upon you the truth of what God has said about you, that you are perfect, that you are God's uh, love poem, that you are His dream, that you are His perfection, the product of His genius. And if we will do that, we will find ourselves walking in healing and abundance and goodness. Healing and deliverance come through the knowledge of what Christ has done for us. As long as we remain uninformed and ignorant about what Christ has done for us, we will struggle. Let me ask you, will you say, how many would shout out, yes, I want to struggle some more. Say amen. None. If we don't renew our minds, I guarantee you we will perpetuate the struggle that we're involved in. It takes effort. It takes determination. But it is well worth it. Can you say amen? amen. And that's what we, we came for. You see, it says this, that as we understand the finished work of the cross, then we find our wholeness. We find our completion. Again, let's come back to our text. For in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ, the fullness of God is manifest. God is, uh, Jesus is filled with the, the presence of God because He is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God in the flesh. He is filled with the fullness of God, the Godhead bodily. And look at verse 10. And you, will, will you nudge somebody next to you and say, He's talking to you. He's talking to you, guys. <laughs> and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. All the fullness of God is in Christ, and we are in Christ. What does that say about us? We are filled ourselves with the fullness of God because we abide in Christ, in whom the Father abides. Yes. And so we are filled with God. And yet we struggle because we don't realize what God has done for us. All the fullness of God in Christ. We are in Christ. We are filled, full, complete in Him. Christ fills us with His glory, with His power, with His nature and His goodness, with His love and with His Holy Spirit. Do you know the root word uh, here uh, for complete means to fully satisfy uh, or to perfectly supply? Nothing missing. Nothing missing of the fullness of God in our lives. Is what that verse is saying. Nothing missing of the fullness of God in our Everything you need is already inside you. It is present by the mighty power of God's deposit of His life in your life. You are filled, fully satisfied and totally complete, perfectly supplied. Nothing missing of all the fullness of God. You know, this takes time to meditate and, 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 and cogitate and... and, and uh, all no, the tates, You know, we need to spend time memorizing. Come to Christ, the King. He has everything you want. And everything you need. Everything is supplied in Jesus. Just begin to believe. And I'm telling you, when you put faith, it transforms us. You know, we have all this fancy electronic equipment. But if I go and pull it out, the plug, the plug out the wall, it dies. It's useless. 
although everything here works, unless it's plugged in and powered up, it's useless. God has done all this for us, and yet it's powerless, it's worthless, it's not effective if it's not mixed with faith. Faith is what connects us to the power of God. Faith connects us to the working. And without that faith, we can hear these words and they fall on deaf ears and nothing changes. But if we start to believe, we start to mix faith. Remember what it says in, 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 in Hebrews 14. It says, unto us the gospel is preached uh, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word did not profit them because they didn't believe it. They didn't do anything with it. They heard it and it fell on deaf ears. We have to believe what God has said. And he said that you are completely, fully satisfied, perfectly supplied. Nothing missing. Nothing is missing from the fullness of God in our lives. You want to get close to God? You can't. He's in you. He's filled you to complete fullness. You'll be fully satisfied and perfectly supplied. Wholeness, healing, deliverance. God's provision, guidance, wisdom, strength, sanctification, righteousness. We could go on and on and on. Only in Christ do we find our fulfillment, our completion. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. He will supply all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it's only through the finished work of the cross that we find our self-worth. The cross reveals our true worth. It, it gives to each individual honor and dignity that God bestows upon. It speaks to you and I of our infinite value and worth. That God himself would become flesh to be crucified by his own creation that we might have new life in him. That's what gives us worth. Because God paid a king's ransom to restore us and to redeem us. The king of kings died upon the cross for you and I. The cross reveals our true worth, our honor, and our dignity that God bestows on you and I. It speaks of man's infinite value and worth. That Christ himself would die to redeem mankind. God gave his all. He gave his best. And he gave his one and only when he gave Jesus Christ to redeem you and I. Jesus has set us free from the power of sin. He's destroyed the works of the devil. There's no chain, no prison, no sin that can hold you. Christ has set us free. Can you say amen? When you mix faith with that, that becomes a life-changing experience. You can walk out of any bondage, any prison, when you believe it and mix it with faith. That's the truth. But you know, I, I've over the years come across Christians in the church that feel that they've sinned so badly that God couldn't possibly love them. If you experience not somebody like that, people in the church, they just feel so beaten down that God, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my, my, how bad my sin is. You are unworthy. You know, they feel wicked. My past is so bad it couldn't possibly um, happen. Now, I've shared this example before, but I couldn't think of a better one, so I'm going to share it again. And so I needed my wallet here. And I was just wondering... Uh, does anybody need some extra petrol money? I want to go, go to... Uh, uh, so you sit down, you know the story. <laughs> you know the story. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
before you get the money, you see, <laughs> I want to do a couple of things to it. You know, I want to crush it up. I want to crumple it. You know, I want, I want to, I want to give this note as a harder a time as you could possibly imagine. You know, I don't know where this, this, this money has been. It may have been with a drug lord. It may have been with a prostitute or even a murderer. And, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Does anybody want this money? Yes, I think each one of us. Maybe. Well, let me give you. Let me stamp it on the ground. You know. I'm giving it away for the first person who comes up here and grabs it. You see, we've learned a valuable lesson here this morning: that the money doesn't lose its worth. By what it goes through. It could have been used to snort coke. It could have been, like, like I said, used by a prostitute or, or, or a murderer. It doesn't lose its value. Intrinsically, it is still valuable. It may have been battered. It may have been bent. It may have been stepped on. It may have been dirty. It's like us. We may have sinned and we may have done many wrong things. But you know the truth is, God still sees you as valuable. Just like that money, it's valuable and precious. You never lose your worth to God because of what you've done. You are always loved. Yes, thank you, Lord. Because He values us. If we forsake our sins and turn from our evil ways, we'll repent. God will show us mercy. And He'll forgive us our sins, all sin, all unrighteousness. Because he values us. In the eyes of God, no one is inferior. No one is insignificant. No one is subordinate. No one is subservient. Each and every person is esteemed and honored in the sight of God as His creation. We are all precious in His sight. And we need to treat one another with respect and honor. Especially in the church. But all men, because all men are created in the image of God. Think about that boss who really gets on your nerves. You need to treat him with a love and respect as God's creation. You know, I, I remember one time when I was working in the tobacco industry, I had a boss who was a tyrant. And uh, he would come along and, and he would put immense pressure on me. Uh, we, we, we were trying to thresh a, a certain uh, particular uh, tobacco from a, an area that had very big uh, central stems. And, and in actual fact, nobody could get this down to the requirements of, of the manufacturer that he wanted. And everybody tried. And he came to me and he said, Rob, if you don't get this sorted out, he said, you're going to be fired. And I, you know, I thought, I, the, the, the pressure, and this man had, had always been putting pressure on me, and he was always doing things like this. And, uh, you know, he would sit in his office, from, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you all his faults, but, you know, he, he would sit in his office, I would do the work, and he would claim the credit. You ever known people like that? And, uh, you know, I, I found that uh, reports I had written had been retyped and, and he'd signed uh, word for word, just retyped and, and uh, a new signature with his name on it. Uh, I know that because the, the following year, uh, when somebody came to the company and said, can you help me? I said, yeah, I'll go and get my report. <laughs> I went and got a report and there, there was his name written. Okay, so I had a problem with this guy, okay? And I felt God say to, to me what, what I'm saying to you this morning, that I need to love this man and respect him. And I thought, Lord, I'd rather kick him in the rear end. You know, he's really a pain. And so God said, no, love him and respect him. 
And so it was a process. And some days I loved him and some days I wanted to kick him in the rear end. But I, I got better and better at loving him. And you know, in the process of time, our relationship changed. He began, to, he, he began not to be such a pain. You know, he, he said to me, you, know, you, you really work well for me. You know, you, you're better than the other managers. You know? oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wonders will never cease. But you know, that relationship changed because we turned and, and started to, to love him. So we need to understand that we are precious in God's sight. When he looks at you, he says, I love you. I created my best when I created you. You are the perfection of all I intended you to be. You are wonderful and I created you marvelous in my eyes. You are unique and have value, purpose and significance. You know a diamond is precious because it's rare. Because there's not many like it amongst the, the other stones in the gem world. And that's why it's precious and valuable. I want to say to you, each and every one of us is a diamond in the rough that God has chosen. And we are all precious. We are all valuable in the sight of God that He really adores us. You know, the truth is we might be down on ourselves, but God values us. You may condemn yourselves and allow others to put you down, but God will only affirm you and build you up and bless you. Can you say amen? amen? God is for us, not against us. He is the lover of our souls. He wants the very best for you. He says, nothing, uh, no good thing will I withhold from them that walk uprightly. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. He says, the blessings of God will chase you down and overtake you. How many get the idea that God is crazy about you? Yes. He loves you. He you are incredible. Absolutely. And he wants to dance around us. It's amazing. Hallelujah. He's the lover of our soul. Hallelujah. Here's the truth that the devil doesn't want you to discover. 2 Corinthians 6.17, a well-known portion of Scripture says, Wherefore come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This verse tells us what qualifies us to be sons and daughters. Of course, there are other verses that say when we put our faith in Jesus, we are qualified uh, to be sons and daughters. But this verse adds a little, uh, another dimension. It says this, Separation from the world, the flesh and the devil, qualifies us from, to be sons and daughters of God. He says, If you will not touch the unclean things and be separate, says the Lord, I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Repentance, then, opens the door to every blessing of God, to a new relationship with the Father. Think about this. We are adopted by the King of the universe. There is no greater adoption plan anywhere than to be adopted into God's family. We are chosen. We have been blessed with this awesome privilege of being called the children of God. We are anointed and chosen of the Lord. Ephesians says, And He, God, predestined us to be adopted as a sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His good pleasure and will. The minute you accepted Jesus, you became a son, a child of God. And no good thing will God withhold from you. God wants to bless you and minister to you. He is gracious. He is kind. You, you will have a new life. 
You will have a new identity. Amen? Amen. We are now children of God. We are not just ordinary people. We are the anointed heirs of God. We have a new father. We are sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. That's good, isn't it? Amen. Okay, your your enthusiasm reminds me of the story. Because I know what's happening. Intellectually, you know what I'm saying is good, but your reaction says to me you don't really grasp the full magnitude of it. And I want to share the story. Some of you may remember it from 2010 on, on One News. This was the story I got from them. And it says this, a Chinese vase was tucked away in a London home. And so the family had been cleaning the, 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 the house and they, they found this vase in the attic. And they thought it might be valuable. They thought probably about 800 pounds or something like that. And uh, so they, they took it to be appraised. And the guy said, look, we need to put this, this jug on auction to see what it will get. And so word got out that this jug was on auction. Do you know what that opening bid was? 500,000 pounds. And it was sitting in the attic. 500,000 was the opening bid. It very quickly worked its way to 1 million pounds. And then to 5, and then to 10, and then to 20, and then to 30. It eventually sold for 43 million pounds. Chinese government. They bought it. This was a story from the news. They thought it was valuable, but they had no idea of the immense value of what they had. And I want to say that is a picture of every one of us, and myself included. I need to meditate more on the, this great love that God has bestowed on us. We are as precious as diamonds. We are unique in every way. God values us, and we haven't the faintest comprehension of the worth that the Father places upon us. Forty-three million pounds, eighty odd million dollars. We are sons and daughters of Almighty God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? We share in the wealth of the universe, the glories of all creation. I love that. We have power and authority, rights and privileges. Uh, and all that that entails. The moment we believe, we receive. We believe that we are saved. We believe that we are healed. We believe that we are adopted. We believe that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. No good thing will He withhold to them that walk uprightly. Folks, God wants to bless you more than we can even appreciate like that vase. We don't understand what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. Believe that the blessings of God are going to chase you down and overtake you. Mm-hmm. Believe and don't doubt that this is who we are in Christ. This is our true identity. And our worth is found in what Jesus has done for you and I. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And this is why the enemy has ceaselessly uh, 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 gone after our identity. Because he knows once we really truly understand and believe all that God has done for us, his hold on us is destroyed. It will never be the same. And so he comes and he attacks the word of God. And he attacks you and I. He attacks your self-worth and your identity to put you down. Because heaven help him if if you ever discover the infinite worth 
that Christ has placed upon you. And that's why we go through such hell on earth. He understands that when you discover your true identity, your power and your authority, the rights and the privileges, He will flee from you. And He will never be able to take advantage of you again. He knows that you have power over Him. I would like you to join me in a confession this morning. And I I believe it's it's a very um, powerful thing that we need to, to contemplate and meditate on. And I would love you to join me. I'm just going to give it to you sentence by sentence if you would like to repeat it after me. My life is a masterpiece in the making. My life is a masterpiece in the making. Do you believe it? Yes. Okay. okay. My life is a masterpiece in the making. My life is a masterpiece in the making. I am the poem of God. I am the poem of God. His work of art. His work of art. I am valued and esteemed. I am as the creation of God. As the creation of God. I am the product of His genius. I am the product of His genius. As a result, I am flawless and perfect in every way. As a result, I am flawless and perfect in every way. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. Cleansed, forgiven. By Christ's sacrifice for me. By the great love of God, I have been adopted. God Almighty has become my Father. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. I have a destiny. I have power and authority. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because God loves me. Because God loves me. Amen. 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 As I said, you know, you don't get this because you, you hear it. You've got to go back and, and spend time in the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate these truths. It's what I'm what I've been doing. Lord, please speak to me, show me. Help me, correct me, correct my, my self-deprecating ways and help me to recognize that I'm a child of the King of Kings. Amen. And as we meditate upon that, I guarantee you, your self-confidence, your self-worth will, will, it will be incredibly restored when you realize the value, when you discover your true identity. Thank you. Father... We know that the enemy has been relentless in his attack against each and every one of us. He has sought to discourage us. He has sought to destroy us. Lord, he has tried his best to mar our image and our our self-identity. Lord, I thank you that we have the power to renounce the works of darkness. Lord, to recognize the truth. And I pray for each and every one of us that we would grow in our understanding of our true identity, that we would grow in our knowledge of our Savior. Lord, that we would be transformed from glory to glory, that our self-worth would increase, that we would no longer see ourselves as unworthy, as Lord, as victims, but we would see ourselves as more than conquerors, triumphing over life and its circumstances. Lord, ruling and reigning with our Savior, Jesus. Lord, that we might move into the fullness of all that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've adopted us into into your glory, Lord, into the glory of the King of Kings. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.